Welcome to another new episode of Queering Desi. This is your host, Priya. This week, I had the pleasure of talking to Verdan Aurora, a New Delhi-born and New York-residing recording artist and actor. He arrived on the pop scene in 2016 with the viral debut Feel Good Song, and his latest single, What If, is out now. His music is infectious and uplifting, often drawing lyrics from his own struggles while contrasting summer-ready beats. In this episode, we talk about Verdan's journey, all the way from India to New York, and how he found his love for singing and acting. Before we chat with Verdan, here's a little glimpse of What If. Welcome to Queering DC, Verdan. It's such an honor to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's kind of amazing how I found you online and through the Twitterverse um, and, and been introduced to your work. But for folks that may not know you, can you give a little brief intro of, of you and your work? Yeah, totally. Um, just like an upfront, though, I hate talking about myself. Um, oh, so, so this podcast I'm gonna, is going to do my best. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my name is Verdan. I am originally from New Delhi, um, which is in India. For those of you who don't know, because um, some people don't, um, I moved here uh, to the States when I was 18 to um, go to NYU to study acting. And I graduated, moved back to India, moved back here. And now I'm working as an actor and uh, singer. Um, and I make pop music, uh, which is actually crazy because I grew up listening to so much pop music. And I just feel like if you could go back in time and tell my 13-year-old self that I'm actually living here, making pop music, writing, uh, recording, and performing, I wouldn't have believed that. So, um, yeah, just a little bit about myself. <clears throat> yeah, that's amazing. I um, I'm blown away by your latest song. What if? Um, all I shout out to all our listeners just to let them know all your stuff is on Spotify and like across all the platforms. But yes, it is. Um, I've I've loved ever since I found out about you. Um, loved listening to Feel Good song and What If, and I highly recommend folks to check it out. But Thank as you I've so like, much. yeah, sure. As as I've like learned more about you and your journey, I've always wondered like what. What has led you through this path, right? Like you, um, as you mentioned, juggle like both acting and music. You're an amazing singer. So when I also found out that you were an actor, um, I was kind of like, wow, like double, double uh, threat right there. <laughs> but like, how does how did they, the two intertwine and how did you find your love for both? So it's interesting. Um, I think what like the one thing in common between the two is the love for performing, right? 
um, performing in front of an audience. And I think that's sort of a thrill that um, nothing can replace. I grew up um, in India, as I said, and um, pop music and listening to music uh, was always sort of an escape for me. Um, I listened to a lot of... um, Because in India, like when you listen to the radio, most of the music on the radio is like, you know, like songs from Bollywood movies, which they're great also. But um, for me, um, American music, English music, English music in general um, was an escape. And I think there's something to be said about um, a lot of closeted um, gay teens, especially male uh, gay teens, um, resonate with a lot of like female pop stars. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of um, they relate to them in in a lot of ways, and they live vicariously through them. And I was one of those people. Like I love listening to Britney Spears, um, Hilary Duff. I was just, you know what I mean. Like I had all these pop idols, mm-hmm. and um, so secretly. I knew that I wanted to be like them, but society sort of told me that I couldn't because I was this little brown boy living in Delhi, you know? Yeah. Um, And so I think that was always like a secret fantasy of mine. Like um, picture like, you know, the stereotype of like in your bathroom holding the hairbrush, like sort of like pretending to (laughs) sing in front of an audience. Um, That crossed my mind a lot. And I used to love to play pretend. And um, when no one was watching, I would make make this entire universe up in my head and I would be a part of it. And I think that's where the acting aspect of it comes from. Mm. Um, and of course, I loved watching uh, film and television. That was a huge part. Like pop culture was huge for me. And I just knew that I wanted to be a part of that and sort of change that in whatever way that I can and contribute to it. Um, and again, like even talking about this right now is like making me go back, um, go down memory lane. And yeah. it's crazy. I feel so lucky right now. How, how has it been? I mean, growing up in Delhi and obviously now being in New York is is quite different. Like when you think back of like, not only how far you've come, but kind of the industry you're in and and how it can differ coming from where you're from. Um, like one thing in particular, like I'll just say, like talking to you, your your accent. And I know in other interviews you've mentioned, like the accent being something that um, you play down. Or, oh, my gosh. So the yeah. accent, the accent thing is so. So in the beginning, it was very frustrating, right? Because I don't know if you've had any experience with them with this, but um if you're from India and then all of a sudden you don't speak with an Indian accent, you're judged horribly. <laughs> um, people think people think you're being fake. People think, you know, like it's like, like, oh, you think you're cooler than us. Like you have an American accent, whatever. Mm. Um, but the story behind the accent is um, I, I had to lose it uh, to work on um, scene work in college. Oh. I was I went to a, a school for acting and freshman year of college, one of my um performance technique teachers was like, Hey, so you're playing these characters uh, that are American, which there's nothing wrong with that, but, uh, you're speaking with an Indian dialect. So we're just going to need you to work on your American accent. And I was like, okay, you know, sort of like challenge accepted. Mm -hmm. Um, and I worked on it and then it's sort of just stuck. And it's such a huge part of my personality now, since I live here. Um, that it doesn't feel inauthentic to me. It's it's who I am. Uh, it is weird because um, I switch this back when I go back to India or if I'm mm. talking to my parents or uh, if I surround myself. If I'm with anyone from India, 
my accent will go back to what it was yeah. and then it switches really back and it's i know it's like i lead a double life almost <laughs> um, um but i think there's a word for it i believe it's called being bi-dialectal mm, um interesting yeah it's like when you speak with two different dialects yeah um that's yeah that's interesting i i definitely i didn't know that but i also was touching upon it a little bit in terms of like the not really i don't know what what is like the pc way to say this so i might edit this out but something like like the the class of it or the um assimilation of it as well like i don't know what the idea is that i'm trying to get at but basically like i think i know what you're talking about um and and some of it does come from that right like people understand you better um people it people see you as less of an alien um and, and I also, I, don't know if, I wonder for you, like, yeah, I think I meant it more also like in terms of as an actor and as a singer, but like we talk about res- representation and we hear like larger folks talk about like, a, um, Harry, like Harry Kondabolu has talked about the accent, Kumail Nanjiani, like Aziz, like all these guys have talked about what it's been like to be asked to do the Indian accent. So I just wonder for you being in both the music industry and the like film media industry, um, like facing that. And so it's interesting that that was something that you came across in college, like right off the bat, because I always wonder for brown folks that are in these industries, like what it's like to navigate that. Right. Especially when you're an immigrant, especially in that part of your identity. When I first moved here to um, pursue acting and uh, to work, one of like, I was really against uh, playing characters that sort of added to uh, a stereotype. And which is why I was like, okay, I think it is important for me to learn how to speak with an American accent because I want to be able to play, you know, like regular people who were raised here. Um, I don't, because when you're, when you only have an Indian accent, you're sort of pigeonholed a little bit too. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just think that like there are harmful stereotypes out there that exist within um, uh, this country, especially like, I don't know if you saw the documentary um, about uh, the Simpsons character. Yes. Apu. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a great example of like how a lot of Indians are perceived and it's incorrect. So every time I am asked to speak with an Indian accent, whether it's at an audition or um, whether I book something and they want me to speak with an Indian accent, I try to make it as authentic as possible um, because the way that people speak in India isn't actually like how um, people are port- like how people are um, people think they do, if that makes sense. No, definitely. Um, and I, I wonder, yeah. like, it's interesting you mentioned that for auditions as well, because I wonder, like, if you've faced like difficulties with that, right, of being pigeonholed or stereotypical characters when you're called and they expect like a certain look or a certain feel or a certain sound um, to the way you're going to perform a role. Like, have you faced discrimination or have you faced like uncomfortable situations like that? And how do you like navigate that? It is hard, right? Because I mean, I'm, I'm still, I would still consider myself lucky. Um, I haven't, I know that there are people out there who, who um, have really suffered that a lot in the industry. But for me, um, I just haven't come across a whole lot of roles that I've been offended to the core by, but yeah. I do. It's tricky because um, when you're in your when in the early stages of your career, it's really hard for you to say no to anything. It's hard for you to say no to an audition. You don't yeah. want to piss off your agent. It's hard for you to say no to a project, knowing that you should have the right to do that. The whole like beggars can't be choosers mentality right. is is dangerous, right? Because um, oh, I'm being given this opportunity. I know that it's not right, 
I know that it's harmful in some ways and I know that it offends me, but I still can't say no because, you know, it could turn against me and word of mouth because I don't want to be labeled as someone who's hard to work with. So many of these thoughts go through your head. So um, luckily I haven't had to say no to a whole lot of things yet. Hopefully it stays that way. Mm -hmm. And I do think things are changing. And I think um, the more people of color we have in the writer's room, the better Mm -hmm. it'll get because like my problem has been that I've been auditioning for a lot of Indian characters that are written by white people. (laughs) So, so everything from the names to how they talk to um, how they talk about sensitive subjects like religion or family and stuff like that. If if it's not coming from an authentic place, it's not going to work. So I think in terms of change, I think we are headed in the right direction, but I think we need more people of color in the writer's room to accurately represent what the characters are going to be like and, you know, uh, to write authentic real people no absolutely i 100 percent agree with that and i think that has been part of why it is changing is because we're starting to just barely scratch the surface of like diversifying like the behind the scenes folks and that's really important um to shift a little bit away from acting though like i'm really fascinated because i know you as a singer primarily i'm so fascinated by your songs and your message can you talk a little bit about um, like Spotify and being just like going viral on there and like feeling good and then all the way to like what? Yeah. If- so my music is so close to my heart that um, like when I'm in the studio when I'm writing it sort of takes me out of everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, acting, for example, it's a little bit heady because you're preparing for auditions. It's very much about what people think of you. But when when it comes to my music, I can disengage. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my music, almost all my music. Uh, the lyrics come from um, my own struggles with uh, mental illness mm-hmm. and uh, OCD in particular. Um, and they these problems haunt me so much, as they do a lot of other people who um, struggle with um, mental health problems. Um, but I, I feel like taking the power away from them and writing about them and turning them into this like sort of like tangible like a song is tangible to me and it's right there in front of me and i've put those feelings into words and i've turned them into melodies and i've turned it into this beautiful thing that you can sort of like i like my music to be um upbeat i like it to make people feel good mm-hmm. so it's almost like these lyrics that sort of haunt me in my head are now making me feel good just because of the way that they've been arranged and the way that they've been written and uh, the melodies and the production and everything like that. Um, So I like to contrast the lyrics with the sound. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's that's a theme that's been pretty consistent throughout um, all the stuff that I've released. But I wrote my first song, which is a feel-good song, back in 2016, like summer 2016. Um, and it was crazy because I was really nervous about it, right? Because it's like the first time I'm writing anything. Um, I recorded covers and stuff in the past, but I flew to Nashville to record it. And I'd record, I'd written the lyrics beforehand, but I wasn't sure uh, what the melodies were going to be like or how it was going to sound. All I had were the words on the piece of paper. Mm. And um, the melody for the chorus sort of, or like a part of the chorus just came to me on my flight to Nashville. And I went to the producer who I was working with who I'd met in LA in the past. um, And I was like, hey, like, what do you think of this? And since we started the process, like he laid down a beat and it sort of just came so organically and so naturally that like that was like a like an aha moment for me like oh my god like this is what 
like this is what I've been waiting for. Like I felt so fulfilled. Um, and all the nerves went out the window because I was like, I got this, you know? Mm. Um, and again, I think it came from a place of being a fan of that genre and almost being a student of that genre because the more you listen to music, especially pop music, right? Yeah. Um, the better your ear gets for it, like the better tuned your ear is for it. So I was like, I just want to make the kind of music I like to listen to. So it was just fun. It didn't yeah. seem like work. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I mean, I, I read a little bit about you talking about your your struggles with OCD as well, but incorporating that and your South Asian-ness and your gayness, like how do you funnel all of your identities in the art and work that you do? I mean, there's there's so many layers to it and and... Right. I mean, that's a brilliant I mean, question, but <laughs> and I've had, I've had, um, you know, I've had to deal with thinking about because mental health and mental illness, especially coming from India, it's not a subject that's openly talked about really. Um, and sometimes I'm like, what am I like? I'm making music like a career in the arts is also not super common in India. Um, I struggle with mental health issues. Again, something not talked about. And I'm gay. Again, like India is not the best place for right. <laughs> um, LGBTQ people to exist. And I was like, so these odds are kind of against me, but I tried to turn them and I tried to turn them into like an asset instead. I was like, this is what makes me unique. And um, talking about it openly is what's going to change things because um i mean i'm not saying that one person i mean I, i'm not saying that i am solely responsible for changing the entire landscape but i'm just saying that um getting that conversation started is so important and there are several like there are millions of people in the world uh if not more that suffer from ocd and it's so glamorized and misconstrued in the media that people don't even really know what it's about and i just feel like being honest about stuff like that and and putting stuff out there that deals with those hard hitting subjects um, is important. And it, that's what came naturally to me because it was what I drew from and incorporating all of that together. It is just who I am. Right? Like to me, it happens on a subconscious level. Right. So it's not like, Oh, I'm thinking about all the different aspects of my identity mm -hmm. and how I can, it's not like a puzzle that I'm putting together. It's just like, I just exist. And I want to put out whatever comes naturally to me. And that's going to be a result of who I am. Um, so it, it was one of the few things I didn't overthink yeah. <laughs> in the beginning, at least. Yeah, um, I start to overthink them after the product is ready. Like I listen to my song on repeat, poking holes in it. And that's not fun. But um, while I'm making it, it, it's like that's what's amazing about it is it takes me um, out of my head. I think what's so amazing hearing you talk about it and just like reading up on you before we talked, like I, I'm completely blown away by just your ability to kind of like, not only, I don't know, you, the way that you talk about it makes it seem so like part of the normal, like day to day, of course, for you, that's just like who you are. But I think like as a South Asian person, as someone who grew up here, born here, I still grew up with parents that were like, so hesitant to talk about identity, mental illness, all of these things. And so I wonder for you, like, how did you, how did yeah, you break so through the I South will say, and stigma and like, know, stuff like that? I'm so, so, so lucky to come from a supportive family. Mm. And that is like, I would not be where I am today. Like the cultural norm 
um, I'm an Indian person going to study abroad is you finish your four years of undergrad, you move back to India and you join your family business mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you study further to become a doctor or engineer. And it's very, I'm not saying that happens to everyone, but, um, I just feel like that wasn't really expected out of me because, um, my parents, uh, knew that I was born with, um, so, so from a very young age, right? Like they noticed that I was creative and they knew that I wanted to be a performer and giving, they're letting me pursue that and they're on my side. And I think, I don't know, the more I talk about it, the more like emotional I get about it because it, I am very lucky. Other people don't have that. So to answer that question, I just give full credit to my family. Um, Cause I'm here and you know, I'm able to do what I do just all thanks to them. No, and it's amazing. I mean, and we, yeah. uh, like we are all thankful also to your family because like for you to be able to be out there and visible and open about talking about all of the layers of who you are, like it, that, like just that step of visibility, like does, I know it doesn't change everything like you said, but it, it gives hope to folks like me, to folks that might hear you or, or hear your songs or see you on their screens and say, hey, it is like, so beautiful yeah. when people reach out, like, especially like I've had, um, people who are still in the closet living in India reach out to me and talk to me about how, um, you know, how they find my music inspirational or how someone who's struggling with OCD reached out to me recently asking for advice. And it's, it's the little things like that, that really make me feel like what I'm doing is actually making a difference in whatever way that it can. And it helps me to keep going. And outside of all of the serious stuff, there are also people who just, genuinely like to you know go on long drives listening to my music dance Mm -hmm. to my music like host a pregame with my music on their playlist i just feel like little things like that also matter to me i just want um people to have a good time because that's undervalued in a lot of ways yeah absolutely and i mean to to encompass back to like the the cultural part of it like with your identities with all that like looking back on your journey what would you say is like some of the most important lessons like you've learned. And then you could even funnel that into a question that I also ask all my guests, which is what is some advice that you would give your younger self? Um, huh, that's a tough one because I still think that as each day goes by, I'm still figuring things out. And mm. just because I'm writing about my struggles with mental illness doesn't mean that I have non cured and like, you know what I mean? Like that I have of good course. days all the time. Um, things are still hard a lot of the times. And I think mm. acknowledging that is important. Um, but I just think that for people out there who are trying to pursue a career in the arts, um, I just want people to know that it's possible um, to me, like think, things that are happening right now would have felt impossible to me even like five or six years ago. Mm. So the future is uncertain. And, um, this is, we talk about this in uh, OCD treatment a lot is like, you need to embrace uncertainty. Mm. And that's advice that I would like to give to my younger self, to me, myself right now, like I think something we're all guilty of is not taking the advice that we give. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. uh, but I just feel like embracing uncertainty, n- not like, because sometimes that's positive too. Like you don't know where you're going to be ne- like a year from today. Yeah. Um, things may be horrible, but things may be that much better too. Mm-hmm. So, um, and some things are easier said than done. Like I could easily be like, don't focus on the negative, focus mm-hmm. on the positive. But I know that 
I hate it when people say that to me. Um, but I think that uh, th- like knowing that things are possible is, and having that hope uh, really changes your outlook on life. And also knowing that if you're going through a hard time, um, it's not you shouldn't be ashamed of seeking help. You shouldn't be ashamed of speaking up. And if you believe that something is right, you should speak up for it. Um, and lastly, I just think channel channeling your fears and channeling, like if you're feeling down, channeling that into something creative uh, can, like it can almost turn into a gift then, you know? Because right. um, Feel Good Song came out of that. Um, and I was in such a creative rut at the time. I was like, I'm waiting for the phone to ring. Like I haven't had an audition in weeks. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I want to sing. It's just like, don't be afraid to take that plunge and don't be afraid to use whatever's bringing you down. And, um, like, don't be afraid of turning that into something beautiful. That's really good advice. I like all of that. And I need to like go back and listen to this and take notes because that's, I mean, especially in the light of the last like week in news and in mental illness, like with all the high profile stuff that has happened. Um, I, I wonder for you, what is some of the biggest like stigmas towards mental illness that you have faced that you would like to debunk? Like having had your own experience with it and knowing that like, yeah. people struggling sometimes may not be able to speak up or seek help, or especially in the South Asian culture, like that's almost unheard of. So like, what, what would you, what are some of the biggest myths I think around mental illness from your experience that you, that you can like help? Um, there's, right. So I struggle with OCD. So some of um, the biggest myths about OCD are like, Oh, you have OCD, you must be super clean or um, you must wash your hands a lot or you must be super organized. And I hate when people say, I'm so OCD about this mm. because it's actually a serious mental disorder. Um, and people don't realize that your obsessions are so high stakes in your head right. that the consequences are, you, you fear the consequences of your obsessions so much that you want to do compulsions and people don't realize that. Um, and it leads, it further uh, leads to depression because you're, you sort of get exhausted. You get tired of dealing with the same repetitive intrusive thoughts over and over again. Mm. Um, so that's just about OCD, but Sadness is different from depression. That's huge. Yeah. Um, because depression can be chronic and can truly affect how you perceive life. Sadness can be fleeting. Um, but not to say that sadness, it, it, you know what I mean? Like sadness isn't a walk in the park either, but it's just different from depression. Um, success uh, is not sort of like talk again, talking about the high profile cases from this past week with yeah. Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. It's, they were successful and seemingly happy. So the ideology that like, oh, if you work hard and you keep yourself busy and you achieve success, like your depression will go away. That's a myth. I don't think that's true. And I think it's dangerous to perpetuate that. Um, and it's not just in your head. It is an illness. You know, I'd like to end with that because it's people fail to realize that it's not something you can just shake off. And yeah. those people who fail to realize that are lucky because they don't have to deal with it. They don't have mm-hmm. to struggle with that, which I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think what we all need to work on, including myself is, um, not letting your own experience dictate what you think the truth is. Mm. Like just because I don't deal with bipolar disorder doesn't mean that it's invalid or that other people don't deal with it. Yeah. Um, just because someone thinks that it may be in your head, like if I, like I just 
you know, like just try to put yourself in the other person's shoes for a change. Um, so yeah, that's the yeah. mental health <laughs> mythbusters for you right there. Yeah. I mean, I saw you tweet about it this week, so I definitely wanted to ask you about it. Um, because I, like, I know some of the stuff you said, like really resonated. Like I know when, um, Deepika Padukone came out with like, she was like severely depressed and then she started this foundation recently about it. Like some of the big stuff like in India was like, oh, you're super successful. You're like the highest paid actress. You're like super gorgeous and super successful. Like how can you be depressed? And I loved that finally it was being framed as like, it's not just the success, but like this week has hit us hard here in the US, you know? And like when when high profile people, um, you know, have this happen. And, and it, I think it's just important for, for us as South Asians, especially as multiply marginalized communities, being queer, being gay, being whatever we are, on top of all the other things um, can be so hard. And so being able to talk about it or tweet about it or, or just, yeah, just be like, I'm here and I, and I, I may not get it, but I ha- I can listen and I can, I can put myself where you are. I can empathize with you in a way that I don't think our culture has fully, I think we're starting to embrace it, <laughs> but I think we're, yeah. there's still so much uh, work left to do. So I, I definitely wanted to ask you about that. And I'm, I appreciate you sharing your own experience with OCD. Cause I do think, um, the way that you say, like, you know, it's so misconstrued in the media and in the slang, um, is definitely something that I like hear all the time. I hear my friends do it. I hear my partner say it like, that's something that is just like become vernacular, I think. So it's so interesting to right. hear like from someone. That's and you know, I, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Like stop them and be like, actually, you <laughs> can't say that because I've tried to do that in the past, but then I have to go into like my own struggles with OCD <laughs> and then it turns into like a 30 minute conversation. And right. I'm like, I'm already exhausted no, <laughs> being in my head all the time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, but I think again, just talking about it yeah. openly without any stigma attached to it is, is a good step forward. Absolutely. Um, as we wrap up, I would love to know if uh, if you can name a few of your inspirations and influences, both maybe in acting and singing. So for acting, I find it to me like um, one of the most beautiful things about acting is that um, each character manifests differently depending on who's playing it. Mm. Like each human being this is going to sound so cheesy. Okay. Each human being is a snowflake. Like each person is different from another person. Right. So you, and I had an audition yesterday and this really uh, came to mind. It's like you give the same exact lines to two different people. They're going to say them differently. So to me, like when, when, like when people ask me about like roles I want to play or people I'm inspired by, it's hard for me to answer because like, I just think like every person brings their own personality. Uh, to a role. So to me, I'm like, ah, that's such a difficult question to answer. But with music, there's so much great stuff happening in pop right now. Um, there's this, there's a European pop girl mafia, I like to call them in my head. Uh, it's uh, Dua Lipa, Tovlo, Alma, Charlie XCX, like all those mm-hmm. girls. Mm-hmm. I think they're killing it. Again, like my inner me wants to be a female pop star. Mm-hmm. And I know that <laughs> it's like probably a dream that a lot of gay boys have had. Right. Yeah. Um, but I am, but I'm very much inspired by like the, um, not really electronic, but like, st- like electronic, but still very pop, um, and kind of experimental in its own way, um, sound. And I'm really tr- trying to explore that, um, 
a lot more as I keep making more music. Mm. Um, like a lot of those like bass heavy beats and um, just l- still being very lyrically driven um, with like an infectious chorus, like an infectious chorus always gets me. Yeah. Same, same. Absolutely. Um, what would a dream like collaboration um, for you be like music wise? Um, oh, fuck. Okay. I love um, Tovlo. Mm-hmm. I think she's so great. <laughs> I love to write with her. She writes for a lot of other people too. And she just like can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's so like sex positive and like, and she performed in LA Pride yesterday, I think. Um, and then she's performing at New York Pride. So, like, that's great. Like, she's queen of the gays. Um, but I just think, for me, like, I just have a lot of respect for songwriters. Um, so people who make music and also write, like, because I consider myself to be someone like that. So I just feel like I would vibe well with someone else like that. Yeah, absolutely. It takes so much to, like that's that's like the not the real work. I mean, singers do real work too, but I mean like that's like the kind of the unsung work, I guess. It's like we we enjoy all of these tracks and all these music and then we don't we don't often think about the people like behind that and all the work that goes in behind that and not just like the face of it. So And that's like that. my favorite part, yeah. I feel like for a lot of it yeah. is just the writing part. Uh and then the because then you get to sing your own words. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have a dream role as well, like for acting? Um, or like a kind so of I role? actually i I really want to. I think um, TV is obviously huge right now. Like, mm-hmm. so uh, I always wanted to work in television. I mean, obviously, I would love to do a movie, but um, thinking about dream roles, there's so many projects out there that I love. Um. I just binge watched the last season of uh, Jane the Virgin, and I feel like oh, I love that um, show. I'd be great on that <laughs> show. So if you're listening, um, <laughs> but yeah, again, like hard to point out a dream role, but I think I've auditioned for a couple of um, gay, like South Asian gay characters before, but I would love to play an authentic gay South Asian character on TV because I just don't think that that's really been done to the level that it needs to be done at. Um, A lot of the gay characters on TV are still white. So. And very like stereotypical again, because they're not authentic to like the experience. But um, it's interesting that you say you've auditioned for a couple of those. Cause I'm like, where like what like how like there's, know, there's no actually a great there's a great um cbs project coming out and the pilot just got picked up um and there is a gay south asian character in that who is a series regular i didn't get that part but i'm so excited oh God, for amazing, that project to come out yeah, yeah. um it's and it's a really important um uh, show i hope that they execute it how I envision it while reading the script, but yeah. Oh my God. That's exciting. Um, last question for you. What, what's next for you? What are you working on and where can folks like expect to see you or hear you? Um, so I'm currently writing. Um, I plan to record more this summer, but it's all up in the air at the moment. I just had a new single come out last week. It's called what if it's out, uh, everywhere in the world. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, all that jazz. Um, so you can go listen to that. 
Um, but as soon as I have something locked in and done and ready to share, I will like you, like everyone who's listening now, if you've made it this far into the podcast, like, <laughs> you will be the first to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Can you tell people where to follow you on social media so that they can be? Yeah. The first to so know? I was lucky enough to get my first and last name across the board oh on all God. social media. I hate you. So, <laughs> so my Twitter and Instagram are both at Verdon Aurora. Um, which a lot of people butcher and not, don't know how to spell. And some people have always also been like, do you want to like, do you consider changing your like stage name, like having That's stage a name? Great one. Besides accent. I, have you been asked that really? No, I considered making my, um, like Spotify or my artist name on across, um, all different platforms, just my first name, like Vardon. Uh-huh. Um, but I was like, you know what? No, this is my name. Like, yeah fuck everyone else if you can't pronounce it like that's not my problem no that's amazing obviously i love the last name aurora so would never complain um yeah but, that your, that's your last name yeah too, right? yeah <laughs> and i also have, like besides being a super common last name i have like a super common first name so of course i did not get pre aurora across all platforms <laughs> i know i was like thank you parents for blessing me with a not so common first name just so one day i could get it across all social media oh my god that's yeah that was literally their goal um i know they knew <laughs> they knew um that's all the questions i had for you is there anything else that that we didn't touch upon that you would like to to mention looking back on everything i said i feel like this the entire thing was like word vomit so i hope i made at least a little bit of sense oh my god everybody um, thinks that i'll just say having done a few of these episodes now um i everyone thinks that they're like i blacked out i don't remember anything i said but then like you <laughs> listen to it and it's like it's fine <laughs> i know i actually quite literally did it's like sunday evening not even 6 p.m and i've already blacked out <laughs> yeah we're like um, sober blacked out it's fine <laughs> hey that's thank you so you. much yeah for having me yeah thank you so much for being on um it was such an honor to to connect with you and i i of hope course. to continue uh to continue staying in touch and hopefully in new york um even eventually meet you <laughs> yes for sure hit me up yeah for sure thank you for listening to the latest episode of queering daisy if you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to rate and subscribe on iTunes to help us spread the word and make sure you get the latest episodes right to your phone every Wednesday. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, or know someone who should be featured on Queering Daisy, please drop us an email. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>